Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble or fumble like a Gregor Brian Combo. Standing on the ground, flat feet firm, coming worms and charts, and I'm doing it on my terms. Welcome to the Rumble. We are back. We are large and in charge. Presented by the Pain of the Claim. Joined with me, as always, is my co-host Brent Hooper, our master of ceremonies, ring girl, and all-around producer extraordinaire, Miss Donna Baby Cakes Lavelle. Always glad to see you here. Things just run smoother when she's around. You know what I mean, Brent? Oh, dude. No so we're back for episode no three. Kidding. Just a couple of things that I want to clear up for. I want to I want to make clear kind of what the format is and why we're called the Rumble. We are called the Rumble because we know what you're going through out there on a daily basis dealing with claims and how much it truly does suck. So we know that you're the ones that are involved in the Rumble. It's not me and Brent that are rumbling. While we may disagree from time to time or have a completely different approach, it's not us that's rumbling. It's you. And so we are trying to get you ready so that you can stay ready and be ready to go when the claim comes at its c- comes at you in some kind of weird sideways way. I'm never going to get it right. I mean, we can sit here and go over and over again. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. It's stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Guys, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm trying to get really good at this whole podcasting thing, but it's 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 it's. it's I'm doing awful. I, I don't even oh know. God, shut up. Anyway, <laughs> well, I think I think I think we should cut that up on the next. We should use that so you can get ready to be ready, so you don't have to. So you don't have to worry about getting ready because you're already ready. Please, man, because we're ready. Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? ready? <laughs> We're ready, aren't we? We're ready for the rules. All right, give us the rules, Donna. Which are very simple. Um, we do not call out specific adjusters by name, and we do not call out specific contractors by name. We're not going to do that, right? Well, they know who they are. We have three rounds of action. Uh, we're going to be talking about some different policy terms and language today and and how they apply and how we use them. So um, here we go. The first round. Date of discovery versus date of loss. Date of discovery versus date of loss. Brent, I'm going to let you go. You have questions and stuff like that. I mean, so give us your... Well, so where are we at, Brent? What's going on? One thing I like about... Some some our space is that some of these jargon terms, they mean exactly what they say, right? A date of loss, well, it's the date that the loss happened. Date of discovery is the date that you noticed it, right? Now, I feel like I've got more questions than answers with this, and and I I don't like this isn't really a negotiating topic as much as I would just like to unpack it because. <sighs> How often, Jeremy, when when you're presented with a new claim, a claim comes in the door, and whether you're talking to a referral partner or an insured, and sometimes even the carrier, depending on the situation, it's like trying to delineate between these two things, is it becomes tricky. Like, am I the only public adjuster that feels this way? Like when I ask the data loss, I'm I'm I know what I'm asking, but the it's like the answers we get are <laughs> it's, it's like 
especially especially if you have a data loss that's you know months and months and months ago, when all we want to know is when the f did this happen, like you know, and this this conversation takes on different sort of a different mask when you're talking about different types of loss. That's one that's not on our list today, but anyway, that's sort of where I'm at with it. It's like they get used around interchangeably, and then as a public adjuster, I feel like I'm over here trying to like decipher through it. And if you don't do it the right way, then it could bite you in the ass later on down the claim or, you know, within the shelf life of the claim um, and things like that. So I think there's a lot of meat on this bone. I'll leave it there for a second. Okay, so what I want to address here, and and you've you've got me all fired up now because now I'm inspired because those are, first of all, those are really all really, really good questions. And I I don't want to come from a position – of 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 authority here it's more of my own personal interpretation of how i find this information and by find this information it's like i am looking at this information for a particular set of relevant facts okay so and the biggest the biggest issue here is the first relevant fact when we're asking what the date of loss is, whether it is a specific down to the second time, we know that the hurricane made <laughs> landfall at 807. So that's what the date of, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's not quite that simple. The biggest reason that we want to know what the date of loss is, is first of all, is there coverage in force? Do you know what I mean? So if right. we're yeah, looking, yeah, yeah. if we're looking yeah. at damage, what we want to know is first of all, is there coverage in force? So if we've yeah. had coverage in force for six, eight, nine, ten months, you know, in this particular policy period, and we know that we're looking at something that maybe we don't know exactly when it happened, you know, take like a vandalism claim, for example. You know what right. I mean? We've been gone out of town for three weeks, we came back. And we have our garage door that has been graffitied. Okay. Now, this is a valid vandalism claim. We don't know exactly when it happened, but we know when we discovered it. We discovered it when we returned home. Now, as it pertains to when it exactly happened, we don't really know. Now, we can move this to something that's a bit more common occurrence if you want to, but it, it, the, the idea remains the same. Number one, was the policy in force? That's the most important thing, a piece of information that the data loss is going to provide. You kind of, you segued, cause, and I, I just jotted it down. You, you, I think you were about to segue into what I was, what I was thinking, which is like, Okay, the vandalism thing, that's a great, that contextualizes a great example of the scenario where, hey, coverage was in place, good, check, check. We, the data discovery is X. We don't know when the data loss was, but it doesn't negate or really throw a wrench in the fact that there's still coverage. So that one, and we'll, we'll just put that over in this bucket and we'll call that pretty clear per se, right? Now, if we segue into, you know, we'll, we'll use like a storm damage claim. And, you know, you're in Texas, so hail is obviously a little bit common. And I'm in the mid-Atlantic up here in Maryland, so we see we tend to see a lot more wind and things of that nature. So let's, let's go down this road. So it's like homeowner gets a knock at their door, and let's just say, it doesn't matter whether it's a contractor or their neighbor, it doesn't matter how they come to, to realize, hey, they have some storm damage on their house. And 
homeowner calls in claim and says, yes, I'm calling in claim because I have, you know, hail damage on my roof on that I believe is from January 1st. And anybody listening, you probably know where I'm going. And then the insurance company goes, okay, great. And they send out inspector. Inspector goes, you know, whatever. And at some point down the road, somebody's going to go, oh, well, probably an engineer, not to relive the last episode. Some It happens all too often where the carrier will go, oh, well, there wasn't any hail on that date. So now we have a, a data loss that apparently a covered event didn't take place on or a covered peril didn't happen on that is precipitated by a data discovery that maybe, you know, the data discovery and a data loss might be a month removed. It might be five months removed. And all too often, I see where you end up with this date of loss versus date of discovery. There was no storm on that day sort of quandary. The damage on the house is clearly caused by a covered event, but we're stuck in this like, well, why'd it take so long to report it? Or better yet, like, what, you know, you, you, why didn't you notice it if it was so bad, if you had so much damage? Well, why, why is your date of discovery three months or four months after the fact? And then more to the point, it's like, oh, well, there was no storm on the date you're telling us, so therefore, it's, you can fill in the blanks. I know I just said like 20 different things, but it, it, there, there's just a, there's a lot of moving parts to this. So I'm trying to keep it hundred thousand feet for now. So, so okay. So, I mean, okay. So what would, now I want to dig into something. Okay. Sure. Because what we have to really unpack here, Brent is, is what is the claim origination? So did this claim originate for, let's take one of your roof claims, your hail claims or whatever. So when, sure. we, so when we have the date of discovery that is somewhat removed from the the actual date of the peril, the, the date the peril was there, or the date of the date the actual date of loss, and there was no hail on that date. Okay, that is a that is a really um, that is a really fair question. So here's the thing now. <laughs> I feel like at some level it's it's and I'm trying to collect my thoughts. One that's a carrier game. I believe full full wholeheartedly it's a carrier yeah. game and it's sort of like yeah. we're not going to help you find the date of loss. So that's going to be on you and you don't even know what game we're playing and so you know so we go back to claim origination. That claim origination could be any number of things. One you could actually have the event where they they walk out in their driveway the next morning and their hail and their and their cars beat up with hail and roofers are crawling all over their neighborhood you know what i'm saying it's like maybe i should have my th and they're having door knocks and they remember there was a storm then you have the situation where months have gone by since the storm and roofers are just canvassing the area looking for whatever bones are left from the previous data loss right and these roofers are picking these data losses because it worked on the last claim they had 17 zip codes the other direction and and you know they're picking a date of loss that's been accepted before and they don't even really know what they're picking so they're advising clients and so we have a whole bunch of misinformation at work when the claim originates you've got every party that's involved that doesn't have a clue how the claims process works something 
something like that. I mean, and look, I'm not going to throw roofers under the bus. And let me, say, let me, let me, reject, but, but, yeah. this, but this, this happens, right? Like I, I see it. I see this a lot on the exterior claims and, and many of the you roofers know. are good, and they've done their research. They've got their hell swaths. They know what their dates of loss are. Yeah, so yeah. I don't, I don't want to just throw them under the bus, but I'm telling you that there are those people out there. I mention it because it happens, not because it's, I, by and large, the yeah. rule. And so it's yeah. how these claims come about is very, very important, whether it's their neighbors getting a new roof so they think that they need to get their roof checked because we are littered with the people that are discovering this damage that have a, a very key incentive of sales and commissions. So the sure. severity of the issue is sometimes over-incentivized to be, to be addressed. That's what I would say. So in, in the context of when we, when we run across this, and like I said at the beginning, this is more of just like, I don't look at this as like a debatable topic per se. It's just an issue that we run into. I mean, this all gets capped off. If I, if I want to put this into sort of a, a, a you know, a timeline or a, a, a sequence of events, it gets capped off with, oh, well, yeah, there, there's, uh, there was no storm on that day. So, you know, if you think you've got storm damage, you can file another claim. <laughs> Right. Which is the most ridiculous thing ever, right? I mean, that is that is the most. I, I mean, I've never heard anything more silly in my life. You know, file another. No, I still just have this claim. I'm not claiming anything different. It's this claim. So I'm gonna need my. I'm gonna need the help from the insurance carrier. I thought it's like, hey, my job is to report this damage. It's really and truly. It's like you've discovered damage. You've got a. You've got a call, and I'm notifying. And now you want to play games with me on when it might have happened. I don't freaking know. I mean, what are you? What? And it's, <laughs> and, and 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 God, I mean, how, I, don't, I mean, how do you unpack that as just this guy that has been informed that his roof is in absolute peril? Or he's worried because his neighbor's roofs are in absolute peril. So whatever this case may be, it may not be anything specific. He is just paying attention to the environment and the information that he has, and he's making the best decisions he can with the information he has. And so we have to look at claim origination as it pertains to the importance of the date of loss. Is it really important? No. If you had coverage and you have damage and you have reason to believe that coverage existed, this peril is consistent. What I'm, the damage is consistent with the peril of hail. You've had coverage for 14 years. It doesn't really matter when it happened. We can assume that it's happened in the last two years as it pertains to policy reporting guidelines. Then let's we've got a claim and let's address the damage. I mean, it's really that simple. So, and I think, I don't know how far in we are uh, for round one, but like, ladies and gentlemen, that's kind of the answer. It is, it is a smokescreen, and don't be deterred because it is a carrier game. The discovery is the important part, and, how the, and you just want to tell the story of how this damage was discovered. Yep. If it was a canvassing roofer, then God bless the roofer because now we're aware of damage that we were not aware of, and we can actually get this thing addressed. And good, good news, I have insurance coverage that takes care of that kind of thing for just such an event. It's not required that I realize it when it's happened. There's nothing in the policy that requires you to be aware of a loss as it occurs. 
Bingo. So and date of discovery and coverage is where it matters. I wanted to I wanted to go down this road because I know I know I like I have vivid I have nightmares about when when I was a little bit less experienced and I I would get banged over the head with this and I'm like, Well <laughs> what the <gasps> fuck do I do now? It's like, Oh, there was no storm on that day <laughs> There's hail damage <laughs> I mean, there's wind damage. I mean, I don't know what day it happened, you know? And then and then I had, like, the light bulb moment. I'm like, hold on. The policy was in effect. Coverage is available. And um, last I checked, I've never met a homeowner that's got live streaming cameras on their house. <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, on about? their I mean, Yeah, I mean, it's like... What are we discussing here? What's the point? And so the point is, is really and truly of those... If you are dealing with the actual date of loss because it's, it's, it, everyone's aware of it, then great. The date of loss is awesome. But the date of discovery is all that re- – the fact that you discovered it requires you to report it. That's it. That is where the responsibility lies is if you have a loss, you have to report it, and that's what you did. So – now they and, and so the amount of games that they want to play thereafter is why you have public adjusters in your corner to take care of you. If you're in the Mid Atlantic region, I would recommend Max Claim Solutions. They can take care of the problem that you may have. <laughs> that was such a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> but for a non-shameless plug, uh, military veterans and first responders need our help these men and women volunteered to serve and sacrifice in ways others did not in degrees those uh, many could not really imagine or understand many of these troubled uh, many of these have trouble transitioning to uh, civilian work life and um, <clears throat> but they can thrive in a meaningful and rewarding careers veterans claim victory is a 501c3 nonprofit helping veterans and first responders transition to civilian work in the insurance claims industry. We can reach many of these heroes and assist in education, training, job placement, and support regardless of the insurance claim career they choose. For more information, please visit veteransclaimsvictory.org. What a great organization, helping those guys find a place to land when they get That's home. That's awesome. It is really That's awesome. awesome. So, round two. Baby cakes, give it to us. Yes. First of all, I forgot <laughs> to introduce you guys, and I feel bad. So, Jeremy, Well, it's the same old people. Jeremy, the mouth of the south, Lavelle, and Brent, the beast from the east. You know what really bothers me most about those names is mine is really true. Yes. It just <laughs> bugs the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Mine's mine's sort of a misnomer. There's nothing really intimidating about me. I I do not identify in any way with being a beast. <laughs> it rhymes. So. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to survey some of the desk adjusters you've talked to in your career and just and just see exactly what their opinion might be. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, <laughs> round two. I don't know. Round two. Cause of lost. Look. Cause of loss. An occurrence. Cause of loss and occurrence. Go, Brent. So I'm going to start this one with a definition. The definition of occurrence is, a, is an interesting one to me. And for 
any new public adjusters, you can look under the definitions section of the policy and occurrence will be there. Occurrence is defined as an accident including continuous or repeated exposure to substantially the same general harmful condition. Um, so you got to cause a loss. And we'll just say it's uh, some sort of water claim, pipe, break, water line, leak, whatever. And oh, by the way, this is very applicable to your exterior stuff too with the roof, but with roof claims and whatnot. But so you got to cause a loss, fill in the blank there. And then typically carriers will try to, well, uh, what, what would be the word? They'll like open the door, but then they want to close it later and say, oh, that was wear or tear. Or that was, I know leakage and seepage are in the next segment, but like they will, they'll open coverage and then they'll try to close the door on coverage through the vehicle of attributing it to, oh, well, that didn't happen on the date of loss, right? So it's like, oh, we have this, we have this uh, date of loss, uh, you know, the pipe broke and, or the, the, the roof got damaged and the roof leaked on the data loss and we're going to pay for the spot sealed paint and then they want to close the door and you know deny the additional coverage or what have you required to get the repairs done and the word occurrence is interesting to me because when we think of a when we think of a claim when we think of a loss we think of sort of an isolated incident you know, so if you have a hail claim today and you file your claim for hail and you get coverage, that's an occurrence, right? It's sort of isolated. That 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 storm, and I'm not saying that what I'm suggesting is right. It's just sort of how we, or at least how I used to think about it, right? It kind of like starts and stops. The, the storm came, the storm damaged, the storm went away. Right. Yeah. So, it, it, you you see where I'm going with this? These things are because they're all kind of tied together. They're hard to sort of succinctly you know, with a laser pointer point to exactly what I'm getting at, but I'll stop kind of droning on and we can just kind of bebop it back and forth. Okay. Man. So the reason we delineate the two terms, okay, because here's, here's the deal is that an occurrence can be defined by basically this event that happens over a sustained period. It's just like the definition that you read. It's it's being right. exposed to this this given thing over an. So let's take a hailstorm for example. Okay, so I want to let you know that when a, a a storm runs into Dallas, Texas, when we have because here in Texas and and I'm going to say this is across most of the plains. I you know I'll include Oklahoma, I'll include Kansas, I'll include all kinds of things um, that have these. I am talking powerful thunderstorms, and I need you to understand. Hurricanes start at seventy miles an hour. Okay, it is regular for us to see gusts in just a normal everyday storm of of gusts that high. That is not it is not uncommon for us to see that. Um, you know, we get our fair amount of microbursts in this area, just so that you understand how strong a microburst is. It can push an airliner out of the sky. 
And it did in Dallas, right across Highway 114, Delta Flight 98 back in the 80s, pushed a plane out of the sky. These are the, this is how powerful these storms are. So just because they're not named, please do not disregard the strength and magnitude these, and, the, and the punch that these guys can pack. Okay? Re- really quick, can you tell me what a microburst is? And I'll pause the timer for this. Um, a microburst is a weather event that basically... What it is, is it has a significant amount of updraft and then a direct downforce shot. So imagine, imagine if you turn on the water in your faucet and the water hits the bottom of the sink and it kind of spreads out, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what happens with wind when you have a microburst. So it's this direct down and you can see them like in, and where they're really evident is like in the northeast or the northwest where they have really tall trees. It'll snap the upper parts parts of the trees like their toothpicks and it causes a major event in those in those regions here you don't notice them as much because the damage that a microburst does has got to be directly over whatever it's hitting um it's not going to be like a trail of damage like you might see with a tornado or a hurricane so hey i just i just looked uh Looked it up on Doctor Google real quick, Jeremy. You're, the way you characterize that's pretty damn spot on. It says a microburst is a pattern pattern of intense winds that descends from the rain clouds, hits the ground, and fans out horizontally. They're short lived, usually lasting from about five to fifteen minutes, and they're relatively compact, which is kind of what you were just describing. They're they're sort of isolated. they're very like, directed, isolated, yeah. They're mistaken for a tornado a lot because of the damage that they do in the short amount of time. So they're often mistaken for a tornado, but they're not in any kind of way a tornado. And it's sort of interesting because the pictures, the, the sort of the graphics I'm looking at, they kind of, it, you know, if if you didn't have the captions, it, it would look like a kind of a, a tornado with a, a, a tabletop at the top of it. It's it's interesting. You're you're absolutely right. So, so anyway. They're, they're, they're very, they're very powerful storms is kind of what, and and so, and in these storms, so you can have five minutes of microburst, but just before that, you might have two or three, four minutes of hail. Okay. And then with that, cause hail is because what creates hail is a large amount of updraft, which is what you're going to see before the microburst happens. Right. So you're going to have this big updraft where it draws moisture up into the atmosphere and the higher up it goes, the bigger the ice balls that fall. Right. And so, and, and, and that is how, that's how you might have this one occurrence with the peril of hail, the peril of wind. The peril of lightning strike, the peril of fire. You have all of these different perils that are available within one occurrence. And that's what drives me nuts when we file a claim for hail and we claim wind damage and they go, well, this is a hail claim. Well, (laughs) no, this is a claim that involves the occurrence that happened on this given date. See, this now this is where we go back to round one, where the date of loss, this date of loss begins to define the occurrence that happened. And so when we have an isolated occurrence like the dishwasher breaking, date of loss, not so important. What we want to know is basically an idea of of when it was discovered and what we did once it was discovered. This is an event, this has an occurrence attached to it, which thereby is going to have a date attached to it. And now we've got 
a day, an occurrence with multiple causes of loss, multiple perils. So we can have this part of the house was damaged because a tree fell on it. This part of the house is damaged because lightning struck it and it caught on fire. All one yeah. occurrence, all one deductible, all one insurance claim. And throughout that occurrence, you experience continuous or repeated exposure to substantially the same general harmful conditions. Conditions. Right. Plural. 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 Conditions. Yes. yes. So, but, but. Again, I'm bringing this up because these are little nuanced things that they happen. They happen on exterior claims. They happen on interior claims. They ha- it happens on small losses and large losses. And these these terms are they're 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 so. Uh, it's like describing the definition of the word the. You know what I mean? It, it's something we take for granted. You know, never thought about that. we use it. We use these terms day in and day out. But then you run into a scenario where it's like the most obvious things become almost unattainable. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, this stuff that we think we know by rote doesn't make any fucking sense anymore. <laughs> so I figured it was a good idea to just kind of go with it <laughs> and unpack some of it. Well, and, and but Brent, you're, if we don't talk about this stuff, we're, we'll get these these phone calls where these. Um, and, and I don't know where these guys are getting it, but the moment they want to say, well, we're not, I mean, you know, if you have a, it is way more likely that you have a wind claim, Brent, that's got a little bit of hail on it. Do you remember the claim that we worked? Um, it was there in, in the, in, in your area and it had been denied by the carrier two or three, four times. And we fought and fought with them. And then we, sent it to appraisal and as soon as we sent it to appraisal they decided to cover it the entire yeah. roof replacement yeah yeah i do i do there was there was three inspections before our name got called um and then we went out we did a preliminary inspection to kind of put eyes on it and then uh did we put i did we put that under rep first and then I actually you you guys were still doing a fair amount of supplements is kind of what you were doing. You hadn't really transitioned oh, into oh, being right, a right, right. service PA firm. You didn't feel comfortable taking it. I was in town. I came in, I looked at it, and we oh, put yeah. it under rep and so I mean and I actually got the opportunity to inspect the roof. The point is is there were multiple perils on this roof and they were just wanting to talk about the hail damage. That was yes. the problem. They all yes. they wanted to do was say, "Well, th- what your point? That's yes. not." Hey. I said, "But I've got wind damage. I've got cracked shingles. I've got all of these things that are going on. One that makes the roof unrepairable, and two, we've got multiple." And they kept wanting to say, "Well, there's not enough hail damage. We only found this much hail." And I kept asking, "Will you please take a look at the wind damage?" Well, the perils hell, and I'm like, "You don't have hail without wind, right?" Well, that's true. And I tell you what, let's let's pivot into like a, a minor role play because you're saying all those things, and the adjuster's going, "Well, they're they're this is a hail claim, and our records, you know, I, I, 
There was no wind on the data loss. You know, what say you? Well, I know what you said because you got it bought. But <laughs> You know, and that's the kind of stupid shit that, well, we don't see that there was any wind on the data loss. So, okay, where do we go from here? You know, whether there's hail and wind or just just wind and no hail, it's like. I like when they say there wasn't well, enough wind. Well, that, yeah, that's a huh, that's a can of worms. But I, I mean, so what? What do you say to that? Well, we don't. Our, our records, our reports, our investigation, you know, resulted in uh, us determining that there there was no wind on that day. Okay. Does that mean that it wasn't there? No wind. You you mean to tell me there was? A, you confirmed that there was rain. You confirmed that there was hail. But you're telling me that there was not one gust of wind that blew during that entire time is what you're telling me? Right. Right. And we can end that little roll. But, I mean, like I said, I know what you said because it got bought. Right. <laughs> like, we, like we, you know, but that, that again, I, I sound a little bit redundant, but those are the little sort of, they're not bear traps. They're more like mouse traps that you run into they, along the, the, the shelf life of the claim. They're more they annoying than, up if than they yeah. are legitimate. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, it, and it really, and so that's kind of the point, guys, is don't, don't get caught up arguing stupid. And that's the biggest piece of advice I can give you throughout anything that I am talking about here is don't get caught up arguing stupid and trying to convince uneducated because that is going to be – because really and truly, a lot of these adjusters, God bless them, I know they're working hard for their families, and I don't want to make them like – out to be the evil empire stormtroopers that are here to basically just destroy your claim. They're doing their job, guys. Okay? They have a very yeah. specific job and they're doing their job and they and they're under instruction. So when you realize the point is learning to realize that when I am trying to rationalize and make sense of an event and all of these facts and they're not just looking at the facts, you can't fix that. Okay, so there's yeah. there's nothing that you can do there. All you can do is present the facts and present them and continue to present them for so long as somebody new is willing to look at it. I want to dovetail that, you know, with with these topics and some of these things. It's like, don't be deterred. You know, <laughs> uh, just you can't be deterred. You you gotta you kind of gotta stick to the fact pattern and. Yeah. You know, it, it, not being deterred is a lot easier said than done. But if you find yourself sort of tripped up by one of these sort of scenarios or you find that a, a carrier or an adjuster on a particular claim is doing, you know, ninja tricks with the claim, you know, take a step back and and revisit the fact pattern and look at what you're working with. And don't be don't be reflexive in the way that you respond. That that would be my advice on that. Well, like, think, what's the fact? I think I think what you yeah. need to do is respond and not react. Because I mean, I called Brent. I called Brent this well week. Well said. Well said. Well said. I called Brent this week about ready to tear the ceiling fan out of the bedroom. I mean, I was so mad and angry, <laughs> and I mean, I was full of piss and vinegar when I called him up. And Brent, first of all, let me say in front of everybody, thank you so much for walking me off the ledge because there was a there's a better way to handle this than what I was going to do. 
And I'm not going to talk about what I was going to do for fear that one of you will go try it. So <laughs> I cannot endorse behavior like that. But needless to say, I was looking to lop off heads and, and Brent was, Brent was, you know, even keeled enough because he's not as attached to the claim as I am. And he has not had the distinct privilege of speaking with this individual on the phone. Oh, geez. Yeah. So that being said, I, I appreciate where Brent kind of, I mean, he, uh, ultimately people, he, he, he walked me off the ledge and made something that was not this big, huge dissertation that I wanted to hit her with and basically just come in with one really simple question you know, so what do you want me to do here? You know what I mean? And it was really, so what do you, what should I, what, what do you say about And I don't want to get into the details of the file. We will case study this at another time. I want more information to see how it shakes out before I really bring up the details, if that's cool. But the point is, is guys, you don't want to react. And what I wanted to do was react. It was, it was, it was a reflex mode where I just wanted to slap right back no matter how ridiculous they're being, a calm answer will always turn away the confusion that comes with an argument or contention. And so we're going to win way more battles when we have a very calculated, calm, easy response to what it is that they're asking us. Because it really boils down to what our job is, which is to prove the loss. And that's, and that's where our job begins and ends. Now, we have goals, we have metrics, we have all kinds of things that grade us on our ability to do our job, but that is not really what our job entails. And if we start doing that to perform and show our performance meter, we're losing sight of why we're in the process. Yeah. Um, You... You... um Yeah, that was that was a lot. I, I mean, I don't want to do the proverbial try to get the last word in, but um, I'm going to, I guess. <laughs> I'm good with that. I mean, I, I mean, I, as far as far as the cause of loss and occurrence and all of these different things that we wrestle with, I mean, I, I think it, I think we we've really made our good point here. And the point is is that when we when we find somebody that's coming at us in some level of contention because they've been taught to be contentious with us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My, my last word is it, it, it kind of ties it all up. Don't forget that that person that you're, that you're volleying back and forth with, it's not the last person on the earth that you can talk to, to try to settle the claim. Period. It's just not right. So that's right. Yeah. It's just one more step in the process. And and at the end of the day, you're probably not going to get what you want from that person. In fact, that person probably doesn't even have the authority to give you what you want. So you go through the process or you follow your process. You do, you do what you know you need to do. You prove the loss. And if that person doesn't see it your way, which newsflash, they're probably not going to, you advance the ball and escalate accordingly. And, and you just keep doing the right things. So... And you know that, that round turned out to be way more lively than I than I ever anticipated. <laughs> I, I got dude, dude. I got to tell you, I was I, these topics. I felt like would resonate for you know 
people that listen in or, or whatever, but I was a little bit worried. This, this, uh, this episode so far has been a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Like, I've enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Because these are pretty dry, dry <laughs> topics, but, I mean, it, there's, there's a lot to it. I mean, well, and I mean, and as it pertains to what we do, you know what I mean? These are, th- these are, these are, proof, these are proofing items. Everything that we're talking about are proofing items as it pertains to the loss and and the loss that we're trying to get covered. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, and and I just want to say this before we get into round three, okay? I I, want to point this out. 99% of every insurance claim that is settled is settled based on circumstantial evidence. Very little of what we settle claims on is exculpatory in any kind of way a great point do you know what i'm saying and so while we're dealing with evidence that essentially and the reason circumstantial evidence is brought into some kind of question is simply because it can be manipulated to tell whatever story you want it to tell and that's the truth and so because we are left settling these claims and settling these arguments it's all based on circumstantial evidence interpretation of that evidence and how it might apply and so and, and we can make up whatever rules we want. That's why when it comes to the, the little bit of exculpatory evidence that we have, we really got to let that thing lead and let it tell the story. That's it. Yeah. That's a nugget right there. Well said. Well said. Round three. All right. Yeah, we <laughs> we ignored the bell. We're still we're still rolling. A little extracurricular activity. We're gonna get disqualified. Right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no, baby, he's gonna drop the hammer. <laughs> okay, round three: leakage and seepage. That sounds like a side effect. Do you remember those wild potato chips? <laughs> the Olestra stuff? Is yeah. that what you're talking? Olean yeah. made with Olean. Used to give people leakage and seepage, apparently, and they stopped making it. <laughs> Okay, Jeremy can't talk, you know, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> but uh so I see we we you you brought this term in and what I really want to look at when it comes to leakage and seepage is there's a lot of different things that we can talk about. And one of the things that I want to tag on to the end of this, I want to deal with the leakage and seepage first, but uncovered perils or when they try to assign a peril that we're not claiming. I want to get into that, but let's talk about leakage and seepage and what, what makes it that. Okay, so leakage and seepage is generally defined by a continuous flow of water over weeks, months, or years. Question. Have you ever seen those terms defined? The language that I just quoted, weeks, months, or years, is policy yeah. language. I mean, again, guys, I am I am quoting in generalities Always check your policy. I am not saying that it is in every policy that's written that way, but this particular peril is often covered under endorsement, much like mold 
ordinance and law. These are all things that all of these things are excluded typically under any given policy and then are addressed on the back end through endorsement. Okay. And so just because the most policies are going to have an exclusion as it pertains to that. So, so why I introduced these is, and I'm going to describe a claim situation that we've all been in. We're going to use a roof claim. Roof claims are so interesting because they're so versatile as it relates to just talking about this stuff. But damage, coverage is open. Maybe there's some sort of dispute. Maybe there's a leak. Bless you. There's a leak. The insured took action to mitigate further loss through some sort of, you know, emergency repair or tarp scenario. Tarp fails. And to get to sort of the, the crux of this, let's just say, you know, a couple months elapse. The insured is doing the best that they can to mitigate further loss. But again, their, their, their property is jeopardized. And so you have more interior damage on day 100 than you did, say, when the claim was inspected, because that's something that comes up. It's like, well, when we were out there, so, and then they, and then they want to restrict or deny additional coverage, and they'll appeal to this leakage or seepage or constant and ongoing type of scenario that obviously is excluded. So that's sort of the scenario. That's sort of how these terms, at least, you know, I've, I've run into it a bunch of times. That's how they manifest themselves. Um, and that's how they get contorted by the carrier in their claims handling gymnastics. So, have you run into that? What are your what's your sort of so what's your take on what that? What I stuff? want to address is is leakage and seepage, and I said it, it occurs over weeks, months, or years. Okay, now yep. what is we've got to look at exactly what is excluded in the policy here? Why are they excluding this thing? Okay, is it is it that it's generally if something's excluded, it's because it's an unmanageable risk. Do you know what I'm saying? They cannot regulate or anticipate what that level of risk is going to be given on each individual, you know, in on a on a day by day basis or whatever. So, right. right. These things are excluded as isolated perils. Okay. So if, for example, you decided to change your windows, you know, you wanted to get some energy-efficient windows, and so you decided to change your windows. Well, you decided to change your windows about 10 years too late because your old windows have been letting water in. Now, you've not seen any water in the house, but it's completely rotted out all of your all of your you know studs or whatever on the exterior yeah. you know and all the, and now your home is you know cracking and we now understand why is because this this wall is rotten okay and it's been leaking and seeping okay through the window over this long period of time so what people can't do is find this thing discover it and claim it 
as that particular loss isolated by itself, okay? Unless you have an endorsement. And if you have an endorsement, that endorsement's going to have some qualifications. One, it's probably going to have to be hidden and out from plain sight. You know what I mean? So if your soffit is rotten, you can't claim a seepage claim on that when you can visibly see it because then you have a failure to mitigate damage. In this situation, you don't have a failure to mitigate damage because you're unaware of it, date of discovery, as opposed to a date of loss, okay? So now now there's no defined date of loss in a leakage and seepage thing, which is another reason that it's isolated, is because there is no defined single occurrence that is attributed to this damage. So they do address it in, they will address it within the policy as, as, a covered, as covered damage if you have the endorsement. Now, back to your question, Brent, when there has been ensuing damage due to... Bingo. That was was the buzzword. And and so, and I use the buzzword on purpose. So, if not for the wind loss, this mold would not have been created because we have a storm-created opening, and now we've got mold in the mold in the place. So we've we've tarped the roof. The tarp's blown off a couple of times. We've got more water in. All of that is not leakage and seepage. The reason that that is in that state is because the entire structure is compromised and outside of what it should be doing and so now leap leakage and seepage is going to only apply as it stands alone by itself during the normal functionality of the home in a state of good repair bingo ladies and gentlemen i would say if you do listen and you do catch this part rewind to what jeremy just said because what you will find is that your average adjuster will, without flinching, deny claims, misconstrue coverage. Um, you know, I call it claim gymnastics. It's like you're looking at something from your through your lens and understanding as a professional. You're looking at it going, this is clear as day. And sure as hell, you will get a denial or partial denial letter on a claim that makes perfect sense to you. And you will get a adjuster that is, I mean, they are as convinced as the sun is bright that, you know, there's no coverage for this and this is going, and they're going to, they're going to appeal to leakage or seepage as their, uh, you know, the, the, the foundation of the denial. And it's not correct. It's not. Um, and the other buzzword is proximate cause. And so I'll button it up with this. Again, what's the fact pattern? And insofar as you understand the fact pattern and the order of events and how A connects to B and B connects to C, don't be surprised if you got to put the dots a little bit closer together for the adjuster to explain that they've kind of got the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, right? They've got they've got things out of order. Mm-hmm. So right. I would well, because remember, endorsements are used often in in policies to help regulate the the generality of the policy based on the area that the home is in okay so they may write a regular ho3 policy but in this particular area they're going to have an endorsement that is maybe like a metal marring endorsement okay where they it's a cosmetic exclusion in this case it takes away from the policy the policy so endorsements are a lot like god they give and they take away 
Yeah. So <laughs> the big question here is an endorsement that takes away from coverage should never have premium charged for it, right? Yeah. So, and and yeah. so if you've got an endorsement that they're like a matching endorsement that's got a ten thousand dollar cap should not reduce your coverage, right? It should increase your coverage. It should not limit you from doing so those are all key points when you're looking at endorsements and how they're supposed to function and when they get applied in the process as it pertains to payment, right? So you need to look at that. So if you've got a matching endorsement with a ten thousand dollar cap that means that that thing kicks in after coverage a runs out so anything that's going to be covered under coverage a is going to be covered under coverage a and there is no cap on that damage but if we have a matching endorsement for siding or something like that that they're going to give us up to ten thousand dollars for undamaged elevations unaffected elevations due to cover and so i'm telling you like in a siding situation where you have to where you have to wrap you wrap the uh, the felt around six inches, you're going to have to detach and reset the unaffected siding. So that's all coverage A stuff as it pertains to whatever yeah. all of that goes. Then the matching endorsement would kick in. So that, that is wor- mm. uh, baby cakes. <laughs> Jot that one down because while I agree with you, I would have to say that that is a battle that I have run into a lot. And the reason you run into the battle, Brent, is because it's misinterpreted. Well, I would agree, and I've they're had, trying to keep they're trying to keep the payout low, and that's not what yeah. the endorsement is meant to do. I know, I know. It's I've just, had a couple carriers say basically say sue me, well, and I've and, said. Okay. I've said, all right. Yeah, yeah dude, that's I mean, a whole lot. Well, if that's right all there. I've got left with, if you're telling me to sue, you, you've just, you've basically told me that we need to take this into court, which means that you have, you have volunteered to pay all the court fees in order for me to close this claim. Fine. If you want to tell me sue you, that's your option. I'm going to take you at your word, and that's what we're going to go do. Now, I hate that, right? I don't want to litigate yeah. anything. Yep. I want to settle it right here and now. And I and I am in a in a position to negotiate and understand that everybody's going to have to give a little bit here and I'm all right with that. Yep. So, but if you're paying premium for an endorsement, it should not limit and cause you to come out with less than less than indemnified. So, you know, and and, and I'll and I'll and I'll harp on that for a while. But the bigger issue here is is that these endorsements are to provide coverage where there would not ordinarily be coverage, not take it away. That's one. And two, these exclusions, these exclusions that are being thrown around as as causes of loss, they are exclusions. But as a condition of what is going on due to the loss, no, we're not going to cover that because we don't cover wear and tear. Yes, you do because you depreciate things. So therefore, wear and tear is taken into account when you do things because you 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 said in your policy that you're going to depreciate it, which I'm fine with depreciating. It's replacement costs. We do the work. We get the money back on that. But the depreciation, as it that's your addressing of wear and tear. I cannot file a claim because my house is old. <laughs> well, it's about time to get the house painted. It's been 14 years, so I guess let's file a claim. <laughs> let's file a claim because it's peeling up under the soffit in the fascia, and so we're going to have to get all this thing trimmed up. I'm going to have to get some folks out here. Let's file a claim. No, not covered. 
<laughs> not coming. I tell you though, not to sound like a you know cliche, but the carriers would lead you and the homeowners and the every contract they'd lead you to believe that that every claim is just uh, wear and tear, and unfortunately, we don't know for that. Well, but anyway, yeah, and, and, that, that's all. So, that's all recycled. And so now we have to hire an engineer to determine what is isolated yeah, damage yeah. and what is wear and tear damage. And, you know, and, and guys, my best effort, if you guys really want to know how to beat a wear and tear argument, I'm going to give you my best, my best bullet against that. Again, not a silver bullet, not a magic, not a, not a magic trick. Can't use one of your wishes on it, but this is what I would tell you. Wear and tear defined is a consistent condition across the house. So all most of the things that are going through whatever conditions, weather events, hot, cold, up, down, in, out, open, shut, all of these different things, a house wears over time. That's why we have depreciation. Okay, so we all understand that. What you need to do is show how the damage you're claiming is completely different than the general wear and tear of the house. And the way that you do that is take pictures of wear and tear. So when they point to something and go, that's wear and tear, no, no, no. This is consistent with this weird isolated thing, this anomaly that's going on. It's consistent with hail. Can't say for sure that it is. I do know we had a hailstorm not two weeks ago. This appears to be consistent with that. but circumstantially speaking, I'm not really, really sure, but it is consistent with hail, and it's different than the wear and tear. So here's a picture of wear and tear. This is the general condition of the shingles. This is an isolated event by an, by, by a, a, an anomaly peril. We don't know what it is. So, and that's how you, that's how you beat that wear and tear exclusion. Well, that's the end of round three. Any final thoughts there, Brent? Yeah, um, I am going to throw a claim at you from 100,000 feet. It's actually an email that I got yesterday. Stupid. It's a kind of a cookie-cutter claim. But anyway, I'm looking at the claims denied. Uh, looked at, uh, there was a re-inspection, and uh, I got the, quintessential email from the carrier that's like, yeah, so um, we reviewed everything else following the uh, re-inspection. Basically, we're not changing anything. And um, and I was out in the field with the IA, and I did exactly what you said. You know, I'm like, look, because it's wind and hail. I'm like, look, this is thermal cracking. This is wind damage. This is a blister. This is a hail hit. And if we're just going to talk about a slope, this, there's consistent blistering on said slope. And I took, you know, and and he was up there agreeing with me. I'm like, this is a blister. You can tell, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'll spare everybody all the details. But then I get the, the letter. It's like, yep, yeah, we reviewed the, uh, you know, IA's inspection report, and we're not making any changes because everything's wear and tear. So I said, well, send me his inspection report because um, the conversation that we had out there was a, was different than what the hell you're saying. And um, 
so I got the inspection report with the photos and everything that I pointed to was denoted as public adjuster contractor damage anomaly. So the wind damage was a damage anomaly. The hail hits were damage anomalies. Not wind damage, not hail damage, damage anomalies. Um, so I made the same the same argument, and you know, I haven't heard back from the adjuster, but when you were saying anomalies, it just it literally rung in my head and I did I'm currently in the in the midst of employing that exact strategy. It's like this is the general condition of the roof. As you can see, because I chalked it off, like this is a blister, this is thermal cracking, this is whatever. And then I say, well, this is hail, because the hail is not nearly as prevalent as the blisters. And the thermal cracking is spider webbing on the whole roof. So that's pretty much, you know, 98% of, you know, again, if you're thinking of a, a single slope, 98% of the slope is compromised by thermal cracking, whereas there's 30 shingles that are indicative of wind damage. So it's just interesting. We'll see how it, we'll see how it plays out. Sticking to the narrative, sticking to the fact pattern. What they're saying doesn't make sense. So right, and 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 and, and therein lies the struggle, right? So I mean, this is what this right. is what we get up and fight for every day. This is what we do every day, and and nobody's gonna feel sorry for us, and I'm okay with that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. I, I I really I'm really okay with that. So um, yep. thankful thankful to all the guys out there that make sure that we continue to have a job every day. So guys, salute to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. um, guys, that's that. gonna do it. That's gonna do it for this edition of the Rumble. I'm gonna throw it to Baby Cakes and see what she has to say this off with if you like what you're hearing um let us know um the pain of the claim at gmail.com and uh we've got a couple of other shows and a couple other formats coming up donna you've got some stuff will you talk about your show just real quick before we sign off my show uh the well <laughs> i changed the name of it yeah you got a new name coming yes. out it was it was just the pain of the it claim was pain but of the claim. But we've got, but the pain of the claim is doing lots of different things, and so we don't want to leave it to just one thing. So she's got a brand new, a brand new show coming out that's kind of a lifestyle show, yep. and, and it's called Who Dis? Who Dis? Yeah. So we're gonna have all kinds of different guests, and we she had may have some Jackie Ware on last time. Yeah. So um, go check that out. Check out that. You never know who's gonna be on. As always, um, I want to just say this real hey, quick. Hey, you guys, you guys are sorry to interrupt you, Jeremy. No, I know we're trying to wrap up. Pain of the Claim is on Facebook, right? Yes. Yeah, there is a Facebook group on Pain of the Claim, so go join that. Yeah. Uh, um, Follow us on Donna, we, do you guys have IG and whatnot? Yeah, there's Pain of the Claim uh, Instagram. Um, there's Pain yeah. of the Claim YouTube channel, and there's Pain of the Claim TikTok, so you can follow us on TikTok as well. So. Pain of the Claim's got a TikTok? Yeah, we got a TikTok, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> so lots of really cool things coming your way, just trying to kind of keep you prepared. Remember, guys, this is the Rumble, and uh, we're going to come back. I don't know what we're going to be talking about next time, but we're here to help you. Uh, Send us an email and give us some topics. Yeah, <laughs> helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Guys, we will talk to you on the next one. Yes, we're coming up, don't even try to diminish it. I won't start it, but I
It's over. Go home. <laughs>